Hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst and I'm your host for this podcast as well as one of the pastors at Life Church. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, we are in a series called This Is Us, a sermon series that we've been talking about our codes, what our culture is, who makes us, what makes us who we are. And so uh, this is the fifth one that we've been uh, talking about. This is Multiply. And so you're going to hear from Pastor Nathan in just a moment. But I want to always remind you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already. Uh, we recognize that uh, information can travel in a lot of different ways and can impact people in a lot of different ways. And so sometimes people are impacted by just a podcast, by listening to a message in their car on the way to work or while they're working out. And so if you know of somebody that might like to listen to this, uh, go ahead and pass it on to them and, uh, and share how it's impacted you as well. Uh, we'd also like to have you prayerfully consider giving to Life Church. And uh, we get to be a part of some pretty cool things uh, that God is doing in our midst, in the kingdom of God. And uh, your giving makes that possible. And so if you would like to give, go to lifechurchcanton.org slash give, and the instructions will be there. Uh, and if you do decide to give, I want to thank you ahead of time. But now, uh, here is Pastor Nathan with This Is Us, Multiply. Welcome. You can have a seat. If you're on your feet at home, you can have a seat as well. I'm so glad you're here worshiping. This is what we're supposed to do is worshiping together online and in person. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're brand new, we'd love to hear from you. If you're brand new in the room, we are having people who are brand new come every week in person and online, which is pretty incredible. We want you to know that you belong. You can fill out a connect card at lifechurchcanton.org slash now, both in person and online. Or you can say, I'm new online to let us know that you're here. We're in a series called The Code, and I'm excited about it. I love it. We do this every year to remind ourselves of who we are, and we are moving right along. We already talked about you belong, about how everybody here belongs because you belong to Jesus so that you can encounter Jesus and experience Him. And that worship was amazing. I hope you encountered God in the midst of it. But then we grow into relentlessly pursuing one more person for Jesus, that we're just one more. Let's go. One more. That's what we talked about last week, as well as whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, which is uh, one of my favorite because of how gritty it is, right? We're going to do whatever it takes for people. And today, before I tell you what we're moving on to, I want you to know what a code is. Now, a code is something that we use to help give meaning to who we have been. It gives meaning to who we have been. It's a declaration, a statement that helps us know, well, who were we when we first started? But also, it gives purpose to who we are now. And in the midst of all the craziness and change, we need to know who we are in the midst of it. But it also drives us to where we are going. So there's this past, present, and future nature to the code. It, it helps us know what to do in every situation, and we want you to engage in it. Even if it's your first time, there are ways for you to engage what makes this church unique because you belong. Now today, we are going to talk about multiply. One of my favorite multiply means to, to grow, to reproduce, to see things continue on. Multiplication is, is so in, um Oh, hey, Nathan. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Good. How are you? What you doing here? Well, you know, um, just really living into multiply. The living into. Saw you and was like, I can do that. Uh, 
Um, so, uh, is that my shirt? Yeah, don't worry about it. I came over the other night. It's fine. It's... Yeah, that's my cross, too. I've been missing that for like a yeah, week. Yeah, just, just grab that one off the shelf there. Was... Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, this is multiply to you? Yes. Okay, well, yes. Uh, all right. Well, multiply is a little bit different. Multiply is really about... Multiply the is really about... Um, it, it, it's really about this idea of taking the idea what's of taking what's inside of you and multiplying it by two, by two M- multiply like cloning. Yes. No. Yes. No. Not at all. Oh. No. It, it, so multiplying isn't about wearing the same clothes. I hope that what's under your pants is your own. Um, but <laughs> uh, definitely not stealing it from a nice watch. I mean, seriously, yeah, the right? details. Um, <laughs> it looks pretty good. It's not about that. It's, it's multiplying. It's taking what God has put inside of you, oh. like the love and the joy, the peace, oh, and giving it to someone oh, and pouring good. it into them instead of taking what's outside of you and, and just having someone else dress like that. Oh. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go change. Yeah. Okay. We probably shouldn't be seen together anymore. Yeah, that's um, probably a good idea. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. See ya. Bye. Give it up for Kevin Johnson. <laughs> I've had weeks. He's one of our drummers, and I've had weeks um, before we did the eye magnification in room uh, or, or online, where we just were, could see people from wherever you're at. And <laughs> they used to say, "Hey, man, nice drumming today." And I was like, "I didn't. I didn't drum at all." Um, but multiplication isn't about uniformity. You see, that's where we get it twisted sometimes, like we're some kind of a franchise. No, no, no. Multiplication is something that's deeper. In fact, multiplication has been written on the Word of God since the very beginning. And I want to show that to you because God's plan for multiplication continues to, to you now. But even back in the garden, Adam and Eve and things were perfect we see that God had a plan to multiply. Now, I want this one to get inside of you. So I'm going to have you say multiply when it shows up on the scripture. Now, it's in orange, and I want you to do it nice and loud. Even if you are at home, Jesus can hear you from where you're at. So go ahead and say multiply when you see it on the screen. Are you ready? Thank you. Someone in there is like, no, I'm not ready for this. Let's, be, let's, let's, uh, let's do it good, and then I won't have to bug you too much. All right, here we go. Genesis 1, 28. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and good. Fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and every living thing that moves on the earth. And everything was good for a time, and then we messed up, and God wiped the earth out and started over with Noah, but he still wanted this multiplication to happen. So in Genesis 9-1, Here we go again. Be ready. Let's give some energy to it. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and we're getting there and fill the earth. But this blessing continued to his people, the Israelites, who started with Abraham in Genesis 35, 11. Now, this is the last time. So you've got to be louder than you've ever done before. Just let them at home hear you. If you're at home, go ahead and say something. All right, 35.11, and God also said to him, Abraham, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and well done. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come forth from you. Multiplication served a purpose and it continues today. All the world would be blessed through one man, one of the kings that would come from Abraham. He was the second Adam, the great redeemer, the way, the truth, and the life. 
making this man's name great is the purpose of every one of us who calls ourselves a Christian. That's our lives. This promise of multiplication continued through to Jesus Christ. That is why it is essential that we encounter Jesus to experience this promise. But there's a narrative woven through all of Scripture of multiplication. That's why it's our code. We have done it, and we will do it. In fact, we must multiply. These all build on each other. All of these codes build to do one, then enables you to do the other and continues. And multiply allows us to do what we're going to talk about next week, which is our purpose and our point. But multiply is crucial. We must multiply in order to have more small groups, more men's groups and women's groups and groups for people who are struggling. In order to have more ministries, we must multiply. God is going to take us into Ann Arbor, and God's going to take us into Detroit, and God's going to take us into areas that have been destroyed by COVID. God is going to do that. We must multiply in order to do that. We must multiply to do more church plants. See, this church has been a planting church from the very beginning, Southfield, and then Livonia, both of them life churches. And last year at this very message, we highlighted that we had launched Auburn Hills and still going strong. This year, in just, uh, just a couple days, Life Church Riverside, the first one in Detroit proper, is going to finish one of its, its final preview service because it has launched. That's incredible. That's multiplication. That's worth clapping about. But we have to multiply so that we can stand here in a year and talk about the next church plant. Man, when the mission lives outside of us, it's beyond us, it's greater than us, it's beautiful, it's so hard to get focused on our issues. Instead, we start to focus on the mission. See, this doesn't happen without more leaders, and more leaders don't happen without multiplication. And this is all this giant plan to bless the entire world through the seed of Abraham. Multiplication has served a purpose from the beginning of time to Jesus and he passes that ministry of multiplication to you. You get to be part of something that happened at the beginning of Genesis, and it will go all the way through Revelation. So I want you to join me in this. I hope you will. Why? Because multiplication matters. Multiplication matters. I want you to say multiply with me one more time, nice and loud, and I'll stop bugging you, I promise, until I don't again. But let's just do it really well this time. I'm going to say one, two, three, and I want you to say multiply. Ready? One, two, three. I heard the little child in the back, well done. I heard you way up here. You yelled it. That's the right way to do things. Thank you. Now, I'm going to show you where I get this from. I'm going to show you that this is our ministry, but I want you to know that it has a cost. Last week, Jared talked about that cost, about how relentless pursuit of one more and whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, it costs us. It costs us. And it's a good thing to invest in. And he said that you can't have ARPUM and WITWITU. You remember that? Those are the acronyms, WITWITU. It's really fun to say, WITWITU. I don't, know, I don't know why, but it's really great. You can't have those without you belong and encounter Jesus. And I would say without multiply, our ability to do whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, and to relentlessly pursue one more, it's limited. There's only so much we can do with it. Multiply is crucial for those two things 
to grow so that we can do more for the hurting and we can pursue more people so they can know Jesus forever. Multiply is crucial, but it costs us. So what are the things it may cost us? Well, in order to multiply our small groups, we need to grow. We need our current small groups to multiply into more small groups. You know, some of the thing is, is our small groups, they can feel comfortable and familiar, and you could be scared of losing what you have. This is nice, so it keeps you from multiplying. But in a season where more people feel alone and they're hurting and need people to surround them than ever before, I, ever before, at least in my lifetime and lifetimes of most of the people here, we need people to find places where they belong. So which is more important to you, keeping what you have or extending that grace and love and community to the lonely and hurting? Because whether we think we are or not, we are choosing whatever it takes. Because multiplying matters. It matters. We need more leaders. We need people to step up. I was actually speaking to the founding pastor, Alex Rahill, this week. We got coffee and talked, and it was, it was great. We just got to catch up and talk about a lot of things. And I asked him about how he's doing, and he's interim um, pastor right now at Life Church Lamonia and helping them find a new lead pastor, and he's, he's uh, doing a great job. But he emphasized the need for leaders in his current context, for the people to use their influence to forward the mission of the church, that without them, the things that need to happen, can't happen, that leaders matter. And he spoke about how he was challenging the leaders in his church. In fact, he walked in from a conversation with one of them. I could just see how animated and passionate he was. He was talking to the leader and saying, hey, we've got to move forward. We've got to try new things. And that means we have to be uncomfortable, have to have hard-growing conversations. And it was inspiring, and I love talking to him about that. But what does he know, and what do I know, and what I want you to know is this, multiplying matters. It does. Multiplication matters. So it's going to cost us being comfortable. It's also going to cost us money. It's just true. An average church plant costs about $255,000 to plant. So you do the math. I'm going to be honest. We have a long way to grow in this church. We've been a hard season. Many of you have been in a hard financial season. It's just the truth. That's not true for everyone, but many, it is the truth. You've had a rough year, and our economy in the future doesn't seem like it could be that firm. So we maybe aren't giving as much or at all. And I want you to know, as a church, I'm going to be honest, we're going to have a shortfall this year. We are. We're going to have to dip into those emergency funds. And that's what they're there for. If this isn't a year of emergency, I don't know what is. But God can always balance that ledger. He'll show up. But what happens is when we have people who are consistent and give and continue to do that, we get to multiply the ministry. For those who give regularly, thank you. For those of you who've ever given here, thank you. You are part of this. And I'll be challenging you at the end to be part of this. But it costs. It's hard. It's difficult to give. But it's incredible. Why? For the mission. The mission matters so much. For the sake of one more, we will choose to join in. One of the things that's going on is, is a, a man on our staff is investing into someone. He's multiplying what God has given to him into someone else. And that man has been through it. In the last three years, he's had a heart attack, a divorce, and become a single dad. Not to mention COVID and the pandemic and, and then having kids in school. Like, it's been a difficult time. But with this pouring out, this multiplying 
They've been able to process all of these tough life changes and discover how Jesus is moving in the midst of it and meeting him right there. That man needed someone to love them. And that's a bit of what it looks like to multiply whatever and wherever, whatever and wherever. So do you really want to be part of this mission? Because it's going to cost you. And don't we always know that the good things really do? This isn't just something to show up to. This is something to live for. Now, last year I preached this message, and I told everyone in the room that the greatest enemy to the church right now is one specific thing, and it was complacency, comfort and complacency. I talked about a missionary from Iran. They escaped from Iran and came to America, and then they went right back to where they could die. And the reason why is because, in her words, in America, there is a satanic lullaby here. All the Christians are sleepy, and I'm starting to get tired. That's what I preached about. I remember praying in the midst of that, that God would break this song being sung over us, that we would no longer be complacent. Well, praise God, because I don't think anyone here feels complacent. (laughs) I don't think we get a choice. Instead of complacency, it was like an alarm clock we didn't know we set at 5 a.m., after going to bed at two, went off, and all of us are shocked and shook and unsettled and startled. We're all experiencing this, you know, adrenaline rush. You know what I'm talking about? But the adrenaline rush just keeps going, so now we're, we're worn out. See, it's not complacency anymore that's hit us, something different. Now, Halloween is coming. Anyone like to celebrate Halloween? It's okay. You can. Church, we don't judge. It's all right. Five of you, all the rest of you don't do Halloween. Okay, cool. Well, Halloween is, is a t- my favorite thing about Halloween is scaring people. Anyone like to scare people? I do. Even if it's just like, you know, it's hiding for a long period of time and then just going, Bleh. you know, well, that happened to me one Halloween when I was in college. We had a house and I was coming home late and I had the lights off because I cared about my roommates and I didn't want to wake them up and make a lot of noise. Um, they clearly don't care about me because what happened next is one of them jumped out with a mask in the middle of this hallway and went, Rah! you know, and all that adrenaline pulled up into me, and I, I, I just started going, ah, and you know that people have these two reactions. You guys know what two reactions you normally have when you're afraid or frightened? It's what, fight or flight, right? So fight or flight. You know what I chose? I chose fight. My hand came up without even thinking and throat punched them. Like, I am a vicious person when I have, like, no thought involved. Like, I throat-punched him, and he, like, had a mask on, fell over, and he's making all these noises, and I thought, yeah, 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 you're just messing around. And then I pulled the mask off. No, I had, like, punched him in the throat. And have you ever been punched in the throat? Man, it is just a terrible feeling, and he totally deserved it. Um, Do you feel like 2020's throat-punched you? I sure do. But what do we do when we get afraid? When we're startled or unsettled or shook or shocked, we respond. Cause us to respond with fighting or flying, flying away, running away. And we're fighting each other more than ever before. And we're running away. We're running away from work. We're running away from relationships. We're running away from the church. We're running away from people we've called friends for years. We're running or we're fighting. That's clear. We're abandoning things because they're hard. But fear, and this is where it's coming from, in my opinion, fear doesn't just cause fight or flight. It also can cause freezing, going limp, playing dead, crushed by this inability to move. 
What's the freeze response? Well, it's, and this is from the internet, so it's got to be true. It's an automatic response to overwhelming danger, or at least perceived danger. When fighting your way out or running away seems impossible, the brain turns on the freeze response as a last resort. But if these behaviors persist after the danger lifts, they can become paralyzing and disabling. See, the greatest enemy of multiplication today isn't complacency. None of us have been given that luxury anymore. It's being frozen, stuck. If we stay frozen, we will never multiply. It's the truth. If we stay frozen, we will never multiply. Fear of today and what's happening has caused so much hesitancy. The fog of what's happening in the world and not really understanding it, it is difficult. It's not simple. And we keep telling ourselves in the midst of this that it will get better when, fill in the blank. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody said it. It'll get better when. It'll get better when we get back together. It'll get better when there's a vaccine. It'll get better when the election is over. It'll get better when the recount is over. It'll get better when the flu season is over. We kept setting these finish lines for when we get back into church and community and growing and saying, like, look, I I just got to hunker down and wait. We just got to wait it out. We just got to see what's going to happen next. We freeze. And we did it too as a church. We tried to be smart. We said, okay, we're going to do this for three weeks. Let's plan for three weeks. And I kind of said, you know what, could be a lot longer. So let's use this as an opportunity to be more of a hybrid church. But three weeks (laughs) turned into a lot longer than that. And then it was Easter. Well, we'll be back for Easter. Nope. Then it would be July. Then when school returns. Okay, when school returns for real. Okay, wait, they still have another five-hour meeting? Okay, and another five-hour meeting? Okay, all right. I'm exhausted. I can't imagine how they feel. What is it for you? Quit waiting. Quit waiting for circumstances to change. And start doing what Christ called you to do. And what was that? Matthew 28, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now listen, we say this a lot. Try to listen with new ears. Let's look at the scripture. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the last thing that Jesus says. Have you ever thought about the last thing you heard from someone you cared about? He took him up onto a mountain, a place of divine revelation. It's symbolic, but he tells him about discipleship. Before that, he had died, rose from the dead, showed up and talked to him. And now he takes him onto this mountain and he's about to rise into heaven. But what just happened in that moment and what he said was more shocking that he was about to go up into heaven in front of their very eyes because they understood in that moment what I understand and what we understand from the Scriptures, that this is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham, that all nations would be blessed through you, through Jesus. And now in this moment, he says, it's not just through me, I'm giving it to you. That's insane. Multiplication matters. And when Jesus spoke to Abraham in Genesis 35, he had each of you in mind. That's incredible 
Incredible burden. Let's break it down a little bit more. 18 through 20. Same verse. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore. I love that. Therefore. We love the idea that Jesus is Savior, but what he's laying down right now is that he is not just Savior. He is Lord. He is declaring universal lordship. I'm the business, is what he says. I am. I am. And now, because he has this authority, and he states that, he says something to each one of you. Continue on. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples is the main verb. Everything augments it. In Greek, the go. And then what he's about to say is baptizing and teaching them. All of those, they're participles. They augment the verb. Making disciples is the imperative. It's the command. And what he's doing right here says, I am in charge of everything. Therefore, I'm going to give you a commission. This is a clear commission, a job to do. Not a nice suggestion. Not for something when you feel comfortable. This is their job. This is what he has been leading up to. And it isn't just about Jesus, which would be enough. It's about the whole entire scripture. That weight has been given to his disciples and to us. And Jesus is saying, multiply. What I did in you must continue beyond you. That is what he is saying. Why? Because multiplication matters. In fact, multiplication is our mission. That's our mission. You feeling that? I'm excited about this, and I hope that you are too. And when I say multiply, what I'm saying is discipleship. Now, disciple or discipling, or discipler, or discipleship is a word that gets thrown around in the Christian community a lot. It is, a, it is something that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But when we are here, our understanding of Scripture and how we use this word in this building has to do with this. Discipleship is influencing one to follow and imitate and become like Jesus Christ. That is what discipleship means. It's the one-on-one, pouring your life into someone for them so that they can be transformed. Discipleship is giving what you got for the growth of another, for the one, the one. It's pouring your life into someone else. You can imagine like they have an empty red Solo cup, a big old cup, right? And it's empty. And what your job to do is to take what's in your cup that Jesus has given you and just to pour it in that cup. It's not your job to fill their cup. It's your job to give what you got, to pour out the things that Jesus has put inside of you just like Jesus did to the disciples because we are disciples too. It's what Jesus did and what he's calling you to do with others. Every single one of you, if you're a Christian, this is your call. This is not for the professional Christians. In fact, the professional Christians, our job is to get you to do this. Disciples who hear, understand, and obey Jesus' teaching. That's who we want to be. Now, during, it's going to look a lot of different ways. And one of the ways it could look is because we tend to think, oh, it needs to be in this one room with all these things. And it's an understood relationship. And it is, and it should be. But it can look like other things as well. During the lockdown, one of our Life Church families welcomed into their home someone of the community. 
And they thought it would be for three weeks, turned into 85 days during the lockdown. And they shared meals together, navigated the waters of the pandemic together and the uncertainty, had long conversations about life and leadership. And behind, behind the scenes of this season, the woman staying with this family realized that she was being discipled through living life with this family. In a span of a few months, she felt empowered and she gained more confidence in her identity and her spiritual gifts. She realized she plays a vital role in the church through encouraging others to step up and lead. And all of this happened because one family decided to open up their home to do whatever it takes, wherever it took them, so that one might grow in their relationship with God. See, this isn't about making someone look just like you. Like Kevin comes out and he's wearing my clothes. That's weird, right? But it isn't about that. It's not about cloning. We already got one person who wears long tees and skinny jeans. Like that's enough for the stage, right? You know, David does too. But that's not what it's about. It's about taking what's inside and pouring it into someone else. When I say multiply, I'm saying discipleship. And when I say discipleship, I'm saying one-on-one influence. Why? Because discipleship, it leaves a legacy. This is how Jesus chose to change the world, and this is the best thing you'll ever do with your life. Because of the leaders of this church in the past have engaged in the mission of multiplication, we now have five life churches. That's incredible. Multitudes of people are being sent Ministries overseas affecting lives many of us will never touch. Hundreds and thousands of salvations. More new life that you can shake a stick at. It's incredible when you start to think about the weight of what has happened in these churches because of God and multiplication. It's incredible to think you could be part of it. You're leaving a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy Is it a legacy that will last long because it has to do with God, or is it a legacy of something else? It happens as you engage in one-on-one discipleship. See, discipleship, it outlasts even this church. It outlasts the political parties. It will outlast every election, every fad, every denomination, every decade, every century. It will outlast everything because it changes the world. And I wouldn't be here without discipleship, without people, men like Larry McWhorter and Jason Lance and Jimmy Wanzer and Mark Hurst and Tim Broughton and David Dutton and on and on and on. Larry McWhorter, my father, who prayed every night at the end of my bed for me to marry a woman of God. For Jimmy Wanzer, who showed me what it means to love an idiot like me whose hugs lasted so long (laughs) that you just broke down and cried because you felt like, man, this is what security and love feels like. Mark Hurst, who showed me how to lead with love and patience. David Dutton, who set me straight when I lost my way and wouldn't leave me at my worst. And Jason Lance was the first man to agree to disciple me, and I wouldn't be standing on the stage without his guidance. He's the reason I'm here. And Kevin Butcher, who disciples me today with love and mercy and refuses to call me anything else but son. And 
on and on and on it goes. Every transition of importance in my life happened because of someone else. Every moment I overcame a significant sin issue was with someone else. I wouldn't be here without discipleship, without someone multiplying in me. I stand on the shoulders of mighty men of God, and I say to you, this ministry is greater than anything you will do. I invite you into this ministry of multiplication. Who knows who the people you disciple will become? You have no idea. Think of your favorite Christian you've ever met, their favorite Christian writer, and then ask the question, whose shoulders do they stand on? See, some of us can't even imagine being someone who would be up on the stage or do something incredible, but every leader you can think of had somebody, multiple people who discipled them. See, that's what legacy does. That's what multiplication does. And I pray that the sacrifices of the men and of Jesus Christ, that their sacrifices for me would continue beyond me. So help me, God. And there's something in the way. And it's called being frozen. Fear. And multiplication matters because it is the mission. And if we don't engage the mission because we're afraid... We're, not, we're being disobedient, but I understand fear isn't always rational, and sometimes it is, and yet we're still called to it. So what do we do? Well, I want to have a moment because I don't think these, happen, these moments happen when we just tell ourselves the truth. Sometimes we need to experience the truth. So would you close your eyes with me, even online at home, and just take a moment. And I want you to put your pl- yourself in the place of the disciples right before this happens. Imagine You're walking up a mountain. The wind is blowing. There's rocks under your feet, and you're navigating the different cracks as you walk up this mountain with this person in front of you that you're following, this man that you have seen do incredible things, miraculous things, who was supposed to be dead. When all hope was lost, he came back. And you know, you feel in your heart something is about to happen, and he stops. And he turns and he gives everybody a look you've never quite seen before. One that feels final. It feels like the end. I want you to imagine his face as he looks you in the eyes. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I want you to feel the weight of that. Feel the weight of Genesis all the way through Revelation. The weight of that ministry falling on your shoulders. Feel the weight for just a moment. I know it's scary. I know it's hard. I know you might be saying, I'm not good enough. You might be saying, I don't want to do this. I'm afraid. Just feel that weight for just a moment and hear how he finishes that statement. And let it change you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I know you're afraid. He knew you would be afraid. But he said, I am with you. I pray over our people. God, I pray over us and myself that you would shake off the weight of fear. 
God, we, we need to stop fighting. We need to stop running. But God, most of us, we're frozen. I pray that you would thaw us out, that you would change us in this moment, that in this moment, nothing about what I'm saying, but only what the power of the Holy Spirit can do would shake off the icicles. That it would warm up the body and you would get us back on mission, that you would save us again from our own fear. Give us this ministry. Give us this back. We want to do whatever it takes. Amen. My hope is that something is shifting inside of you. Something is changing. The question is, how do we go from freezing to flourishing to multiplying? The answer is we'll do more small groups, we'll do more church plants, we'll do more ministries, but we also need to learn how to disciple because when I say multiply, I mean disciple. So I want to let you know that the life journey has been up and running this entire year. The life journey was announced for the first time last year during this saying, hey, we know this is hard. We know that some of you don't have that list of names of people who poured into you. Some of you have never been discipled that you could recognize so how are you supposed to do it? Well, we're going to train you to do that. And this amazing course that's been developed over the course of years, I just go on and on about how amazing it is. But really what it comes down to is it helps you grow. It helps you move from one area of maturity to another, eventually the place where you have the tools, the skills, the confidence, and the ability to pour your life into someone, to be someone who transforms the world by living out the commission to multiply. And uh, we spent over a year getting it ready and developed, and we launched it in January of 2020. And the way we were doing it, we wanted to do it in person. We had some ideas about how to do it. It was all ready. Here's the plan. Everything's laid out. And we thought, okay, we can get 100 people through this in one year to like, get started on this journey. 100 people. Wow, that's, whew, okay. That's, we have a lot of people to get through at that point. And he said, okay, maybe we could do 150. So that was our goal. Then COVID happened. And ruined everything, right? That's what it seems to be the story. And we could have waited. We could have waited. We could have said, you know what? We, we have this idea, our preference. We need to wait. We'll just hunker down. We'll just wait. But we have learned something over the course of years. That the mission to multiply matters too much to freeze, to wait. It just does. So we engaged the life journey in a new way using technology, and we found out that it actually works pretty well online. We're having intentional conversations with small groups of people, and they're growing and finding their gifts and taking next steps and getting baptized and, and giving and attending church and starting small groups. We just went for it because we can't wait. We can't wait. So we aren't going to be able to have 100 people go through life journey by the end of 2020. We're not going to only have 100 people. In fact, right now, at this point, over 350 people have begun the journey. 350 people. Now, that should be exciting. That should get you excited. And those who aren't in the life journey yet, you need to be a part of it. You see, I want to say something pretty powerful. If not for COVID, we would not be multiplying as well as we are now. If not for COVID. Now, I like hearing that because most of the time you would say, if not for COVID, and then something terrible is what's next. But God has used it in the midst because we don't want to freeze. Not only that, there are four churches 
in three different states using the life journey as well. It's multiplied beyond us. It's multiplied beyond these walls. It's making an impact, a legacy. Life journey, it helps you grow and mature and learn to multiply that salvation work that's been done inside of you. And I can't encourage you enough to be part of it. It'll help you uh, grow but fulfill the partnership commitments that we're going to give out if people want to become partners. It'll help you meet people and grow in relationship. And it does it through these courses. And I'll throw them up on the screen for just a second. It's out on the wall of which you can talk to people afterwards. It's online if you want to check it out or you can say you're interested. This is one of the most intentional ways of growing I've ever seen. And I want to invite you onto that journey. You see, we often think that COVID hurt the mission of the church. It didn't. It refocused it. I'm hearing stories of churches, large mega churches all across the country, who even this weekend are getting up there and saying, I need to repent because I've been leading us in the wrong direction. We need to move towards discipleship. See, this is refocusing the church, and what's going to come from it is a, it's just going to be a revival of a different kind. And you can be part of it. If you stop waiting, stop sitting on the fence, start moving. And you might think that COVID and political unrest destroyed you. But because you know Jesus Christ, it could refocus you into making the greatest impact your life could ever have. What if you said, if not for COVID, I would never have made my marriage the way it should have been. If not for COVID, I never would have invested in my kids the way I should have been. If not for COVID, I never would have done the ministry that God called to me. If not for COVID, I would never have woken up to the pain and suffering in this world. That's what it means to multiply. So I want you to engage it. I want you to be part of it. And here's three ways you can. And I encourage you to pick one or pick all three and go for it. Engage and multiply by investing in the mission. God's going to give us exactly how much we need. He is. And we'll have to make hard decisions, and that's fine. But I want you to be part of what God is doing. The ministry that's growing in this church and beyond this church in other churches across our country. It's crazy, but we made it that way because we knew that what God does in us has to move beyond us. And if you've given regularly, wonderful. Thank you. You are making a huge difference, and so many of you are. If you've ever given it all, incredible. Thank you. Some of you, you pulled back and waited and and waited because you didn't know how things were going to turn out. I encourage you to re-engage. And for some of you, you need to invest to make it cost. And we know that good things cost us something, so invest here. Second, I want you to engage, multiply by becoming a partner. There are six commitments that go with these six code statements. We're going to lay those out for you in just a couple weeks, and every year we re-up our partnership and our commitment to each other. I'll tell you all about that, but I want you to pray about it now because I believe God wants to do something in and through you as a partner. Everyone here belongs. Everyone here can be a part of it, but you might be called to this level of commitment. And finally, I want you to engage, multiply by signing up for the life journey. If you're one of our small groups in Explore right now, you've started the life journey, and we encourage you to sign up for the next one, which is uh, Encounter. And I would encourage you, if you aren't a part of Life Journey, to sign up today on the Now page. Our new classes start in November 8th. So please be part of this. It will transform you to be incredible. I hope you understand what I want for you. 
What I want for you is to experience the joy, the pain, the passion, the difficulty of discipleship. Because once you have seen what God can do through you, you'll never want to do or hold on to anything else. I'd like you to stand with me. Even if you're at home, you can stand and prepare. Go ahead and stand because we're going to give people an opportunity to follow Jesus Christ. If you're here in this room and you want to follow Jesus, I'm going to have a pray a prayer with you. And if you're online, I'd ask you to do the same. Even if you're listening to this after it's done and over, God is timeless and he works through all things. Part of our code is that we relentlessly pursue one more. And that means every time we preach, we give people an opportunity to make this choice. You might have listened to this message and be like, oh my goodness, that's a really heavy call. It is. It's the best thing you'll ever do with your life and it'll last beyond you. So I encourage you in this moment, if you want to follow Jesus, to close your eyes, everyone can, to focus your heart and talk to God. That's what praying is. And he's in the room. He's with you. He is here in this moment. And you're going to tell him and acknowledge your need for him and you're going to ask him to live inside you through Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do. So repeat after me out loud or in your heart. Make them your own words. Say something like this. God, I am broken. God, I, I need to be rescued. I can't have a relationship with you unless I am rescued. And I know that relationship with you is what my heart really wants. So you sent your son, Jesus, to die. And he died to pay for my brokenness. And so I choose that today. I choose to believe in Jesus. To accept him as Savior and as Lord. And I choose to follow him for the rest of my days. And I will learn to multiply what you have given me into other people. Amen.